Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. And today we have an absolute legend of a guest, Joy Summers. It's an online holistic wellness coach living on the island of Phuket, Thailand. Let's tell you a little bit about us, though. Fruiting Body Podcast is a medicinal mushroom company, again, located on the island of Phuket, Thailand. Um, when you watch this video, we're going to leave timestamps here. That allows you to navigate the podcast much more easily. If you're on YouTube, you can click and choose your chapters because um, we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting stuff. Again, Fruiting Body Podcast, we're all about the journey, people living on the island of Phuket, and you're going to learn a little bit about their story and what they do in their field of expertise. So without further ado, let's get this started. Hey, hi, Joy. Thanks hi. for joining us today. Oh, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, well, we I guess we can explain a little bit to the audience. We've known each other probably three, four, five years, but it's always, you know, when I'm up here and you're down there, it's your your paths don't cross that often. And then the next thing you know, two years can go by. Um, I think the last time I met you would have been down before you went to Mexico, mm -hmm. um, down at... Tiger. No, actually, originally I was in Nyhart and we ran into each other jogging and we went to J uh, Jungala. Oh, that's right. That would have been the last time. One of my favorite places. Yeah. And then we ate at Rustic and Blue. You have a great memory. Do I? Maybe it's, maybe it's <laughs> the lion's memory. mane I'm taking. Maybe Sharp. it's the lion's mane. Um, we're going to jump right into this. And just so for the audience, so they know, we're going to be telling Joy's story of what she did before Phuket, how she came here, what she's doing here and what's next for her. Uh, next for her and we'll fill in the gaps along the way of her field of expertise but i think we're going to be focusing a lot on like micro uh, gut biome gut health and gut biohacking health. your health and different things to just improve overall health that that's going to be the main topic of this this podcast so if you're looking for information on that um so let, let's go as far back as you can in your childhood where are you from what did you grow up and let's connect that story to thailand Sure. All right. So I grew up actually on a small farm in southern New Hampshire. Most people don't know where that is on a map. It's uh, about an hour outside of Boston. So starting at a very young age, I was lifting hay bales and scooping out horse manure, cow manure, all of the things, and um, and was an equestrian until I graduated and uh, went to Arizona State University for college. Um, with for, it, for that, for equestrian or? No, I went okay. for uh, sports marketing and then international business. Um, Arizona was a great place to go to college because the opportunities to get internships and network and meet people in the field of sports was huge, right? So unlike, you know, a New York or Boston where it's like you had to know someone deep inside that, that career, with Arizona, we had the Super Bowl. We have... Uh, you know, all of our sports, uh, our all-stall games, like mm. all the big events that come and they always need people to kind of like be the runaround, right? So freshman year, um, I started a club called the Sports Business Association, which basically pulled everyone that wanted to learn about sports together. And then we brought on, you know, speakers that were in recruiting or sales or sports agents, and then understanding like how we could make a career out of that. Um, so sports was my focus as, as, a, an undergrad. Um, and then I ended up doing a study abroad in Australia, my junior year. Oh, so did I. Interesting. Awesome. Where'd you go? Uh, Queensland. I was at oh, wow. Southport. Okay. Uh, Griffith university. That's the one. Queensland was my second yeah. universe, uh, second option. I ended up going to Melbourne. Okay. 
And so I was playing lacrosse as a D1 club in at ASU. And then field, when I went, field or box? Um, like stick I, lacrosse. Like, I mean, uh, we, I used to play lacrosse, meaning like uh, indoor or outdoor? Oh, outdoor. Outdoor, so <laughs> yeah, the outdoor. much crazier type. It was, it was yeah. wild. It was uh, really aggressive and really like, you know, full on, but it was a lot of fun. Um, so I ended up playing lacrosse in, uh, in Melbourne as well, came back, graduated. And while everyone else started to really like chase their career, I decided to book a one-way ticket to Ireland. And so I was like, all right, got my graduation cap, pack of backpack, and I'm out of here. Um, and this was back in uh, 2009 when couchsurfing.com was really popular. Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically it's a website for those of you who don't know, couchsurfing.com was a website where you could literally like, you're like, hey, I'm going to Dublin. You'd message a whole bunch of people that were living in Dublin with a spare bed, a couch, a hammock, the floor. I mean, when you're 21, you can sleep anywhere, right? Mm. So booked a one-way ticket and just started couch surfing my way through Western Europe. And, uh, and I would like, you know, I'd travel to a city. Maybe I'd get really broke and find a job somewhere. So I would just be like handing out flyers or bartending or whatever I could do to make a couple bucks. And then I was on the next plane to another city. Um, and then from there, I thought it would be great to, you know, walk across Spain. So I did the Camino de Santiago. Yeah, I saw. A buddy just do that on his Instagram. It's the it's the pilgrimage, right? It's the yeah. There's a movie about it actually mm. called The Way, and um, so I started in Pamplona. I started with running in the bulls, did that for a couple of days, and then I ended up walking and and I was by myself the whole time, you know. And was that planned at all, or was it kind of just you know you came across this? And no, you're I like, planned sure. it. Okay, I planned it. I was like, okay, I want to go in July. Great weather. It's gonna be hot, but I I get to hit two birds with one stone. Um, you know, and then you just meet people along the way that are walking and are on their own journey, right? So some, for some people it's religious for me, it was just another adventure. And, um, and then, yeah, you get to Santiago to this massive cathedral and you just, you're walking up. I had my walking sticks and like the tears just start rolling down your eyes because you've made it. You know, I was walking almost, you know, between 20 to 40 kilometers a day. I was hoofing it. Most people might break it down in shorter steps. So what's it, like six to eight hours a day? Six to eight hours, yeah. Almost, Shit. I mean, between a half marathon and a full marathon a day. Because isn't it, it's 700 kilometers it's or something. freaking far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's like little hostels to stay at along the way. Sometimes I stayed at the convents for free. Um, people are so generous with what they're offering for you. Um, one of the highlights, though, is they have a fountain of wine at one of the stops and it's literally a fountain and you just fill up your, your bottle with a glass of red wine. Um, obviously Spain is known for their good wine, but, um, yeah, so that was one of my, one of my adventures. Um, I was living in Mallorca for six months. One of my jobs was to be an au pair. Yep. So I was like living with a German family, um, and, you know, taking him around, teaching him English along the way. And, um, and then after Europe, I went to Africa I went to Kenya and Tanzania. I met my dad down there for a safari. And then when he and my stepmom left, I stayed for another couple months and volunteered at one of the camps um, inside the national park. So I got to live with the Maasai warriors at this like beautiful, um, I don't want to say holistic resort, but like there was no running water. There was no, like we were cooking from the coals and the fire. 
Um, do you know the Maasai? You know what they look like? Yeah. Tall, super dark, really colorful clothes. Um, and they would teach me, A, how to cook over fire. And then B, like we'd wake up in the morning and walk through the fields and look at all the tracks, right? And they would be like, oh, there was a, you know, a giraffe walking through here last night and then the tiger came, you know what I mean? Like the whole shuffle. They're so one with the earth. Um, and so I needed a good bath after I left my two month volunteer trip there. But yeah, I think that's where my like love and passion for traveling really kicked off. Um, and I, and I owe it to couch surfing for, you know, making me tons of friends. It was great for networking. Great. How long was that? You're doing this about a year? Almost two years. Two years. Yeah. And when that's all said and done and you're coming back to, let's say reality, um, what was that reality? What was waiting for you? Nothing. It was the pressure of like getting back to the States to get a real job and a real home and settle down. And still to this day, that's the pressure, you know? Um, but I, I made it last for about a year in the States before I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to pack up again. And I went to Korea for two years to teach English. You get, you get the travel itch. I did. It was, it was bad. And I know you taught English as yeah. well. Yeah. So very similar experience, you know, going over there, um, and, uh, and in that time is when I found CrossFit. And so I was living next to the military base over in Seoul and started coaching on their, on their base and got my level one in Korea. And that was, you know, 2013 at this point when it was just starting to get popular. You'd still ask, you know, you'd still tell someone like, Hey, I'm doing CrossFit. And they're like, what's CrossFit? It was like back in those like early, early days. And we had Asia regionals out there, which was great because it was in Seoul. Um, and that's really where my love of strength training developed. Did you have any prior experience in that? I mean, obviously this is your life. You're, you're you've embodied that. Did you have anything like, were you training as a kid in high school or was it kind of wishy-washy? So I was playing like sports. Mm. I've, I've run three full marathons. I probably done a dozen halves because um, while I was living in Spain and stuff, there would like a sign would be like, oh, the Barcelona Marathon. And I'd be like, yep, I want to do that, you know, and then fly somewhere else and be like, yep, I want to hit that one. And that was great when I was traveling, but um, no real background in weightlifting. And so then when I saw how my body was changing, I saw the community behind it. I saw that this was just like a little, I don't know a group of like-minded people that were all trying to better their health. I was like, this is, this is my home. Um, and then when you're traveling as well, you know, you drop into a CrossFit gym and you have like these immediate friends and they take you out and they go around. So, you know, couch surfing was one community and then CrossFit was kind of the next. Um, yeah. And were you staying in Seoul for a long period of time or at this, you've, you've left the U.S., you've had your two years of traveling, you've gone off to Seoul to teach English and you get that travel bug, you want to keep moving. At which point does this start to bring you over to Thailand or do you end up going back home again and having to reset, let's say? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I left Korea. I went and uh, hiked Everest Base Camp and did the Annapurna Circuit in Nepal. And I was like, all right, this is going to be my last big trip. I'm going to go back to America and I'm going to make this work. You know, I'm like, okay, we're going to give it another try. And sure enough, I got back to America and, you know, a couple months later, I was already on the hunt looking for jobs abroad. And that brought me to Abu Dhabi. So I had a connection there, a CrossFit gym, 
And um, the really cool thing about coaching CrossFit as a female in a Muslim country was that I was able to coach these women, you know, full, full covered. Okay. We would have the class time. They'd come in. We would close the curtains. We would lock the doors. Cameras would go off. And for that one hour, I had them in their true vulnerable self, right? Because if you're a Muslim woman, you know, and, and you're practicing and you have the abaya and the burqas and stuff, no one gets to see what you look like underneath. But I did. Mm. And I was, you know, I was thinking, I was like, what other profession in the world could have that kind of a relationship with these women? Right. And they're covered all the time and, and they probably don't feel good about their bodies. You know, they, it's definitely not a culture that like promotes sports and health and strength training and stuff. Um, and so starting this program for women only was really rewarding, you know, getting to have that kind of relationship with them and show them that strength training is a beautiful thing. Um, but <laughs> that only lasted three months <laughs> before I ended up getting a job in Chiang Mai. Okay. And so came to Chiang Mai, CrossFit Chiang Mai. Um, Mark is the guy that runs the, uh, runs the ship up there and he's amazing. Um, and so started coaching in there. Uh, there was a competition where I was reunited with Luke and Elise Richmond. Do you know who they are? No. Okay, they are from the soy like years ago and um, and they have been around forever. So I met Luke back in 2011 at Asia CrossFit Regionals in Korea. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward like six or seven years and I reunite with them in Chiang Mai. And he's like, well, look, like I live in Phuket. I'm training at this or I'm coaching at this gym. Um, I'm leaving soon and we're looking for a replacement coach. And I was like, oh, well, I've never been to Phuket. Don't know anything about it. But yeah, sounds great. So came down to Phuket, you know, which is crazy because I think that most people that get jobs here, they come here first, see how amazing it is, want to stay and then try to find a job. And I think that I was unique in the sense that I had never been, just came blind and open and then found the soy. And you had everything kind of lined up as well. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the whole your life in Phuket, uh, anyone that's listening out there, I think the first thing where people, you know, they can get standoffish or they get, you know, they're afraid to plunge in is the question of how do I make those contacts to go to South Korea, to go to Dubai? Um, let's focus more on the Dubai side. Like now you, you've went to South Korea. Okay. That's, that's, that's pretty clear. You're able to find English teaching jobs uh, abroad quite easily, but that contact for you to actually getting to Dubai again, was that just online and hunting and trying to find work abroad? I have to say that I've been really blessed with the power of networking skills. Mm. So I think most of the jobs and the opportunities that I've had have come from people that are in my circle. You know, I think like, power the gab for one, you know, just like good high energy. Um, but I love connecting people and that kind of goes hand in hand with the networking side. So yeah, that job specifically was from a friend. Um, and especially in CrossFit though, everybody talks, right? Everyone knows someone from somewhere that can kind of put you in touch. So if you are someone that's looking into traveling, finding a job abroad, um, those kind of things, I mean, power of social media right now, guaranteed someone in your network has some other contact that they can put you in touch with. But, um, you know, traveling solo too, especially for people that have, you know, never stepped outside of their home country or something, just got to be open, right? You, you have to take that first plunge. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the biggest tip is like, 
buy the ticket because once you buy the ticket, you know, you're not going to let that money go. Right. So book it a couple months in advance, pack your suitcase, make all the arrangements and stuff. Um, and once you get to wherever your destination is, you figure it out, right? It's sink or swim. Like you're not going to let yourself sink. So you're gonna find a way to make it work. Yeah. I, I can vouch for that as well. A lot of the times, if you overthink it, you might not do it. And, and for me personally, I've never kind of experienced that. It's, you know, once you have that idea, just do it. And when I get there, I'll figure it out once I'm there. And I think that's half the fun as well. Um, when you overexpose yourself to all the answers, you know, you're, you know, revealing what's behind the curtain instead of kind of plunging in and taking that opportunity to, to learn the mystery. Uh, what were the major differences when you were training and teaching in Dubai versus South Korea? Not so much about like, um, the, the, the social cultural norms, but the individuals themselves in terms of high energy, interacting with them, even getting involved in their personal communities as well. Did they let you in that easy or could you just talk about that in general? Sure. So in Korea, I had two groups of CrossFitters. I had the military, right, who was, you know, very regimented, very disciplined, you know, focused and stuff. And then I had the actual, the Koreans. And uh, when I was competing, I had Koreans on my team. Um, and so when I went to Korea, there was two CrossFit gyms in the entire city. When I was asked, when I was like, you know, trying to find a job, I told my recruiter, I said, look, I want to be within a mile of one of these gyms. And within two years, over 200 gyms popped up. Reebok took on such a big presence. So I think in Korean culture, they follow each other, right? They really follow kind of like, what's the trend? And they want to be cool and wearing all the gear and all that sort of stuff. And I think in the Dubai culture is a little bit more reserved because people aren't as into fitness. They're not as, it's changing now. But when I was there, it was definitely a little bit more reserved. Yeah. I mean, you do notice that, uh, I don't want to talk down on Dubai, but usually <laughs> like Surin Beach, you get tons of people from Dubai and like yep. 99% of them are just not in shape. And yeah. you're just, I've always wondered, cause I've never been to Dubai. Honestly, I, I know I see you go there quite it, often. It is a cool city. I have no passion to go there and it's mostly i think um getting stuck in phuket you get a bit scared to leave this bubble again i don't i don't really get that travel bug living here but watching these people from dubai i've always wondered like what are they doing on the day-to-day -day living in this country um what would you see like the you know average uh you know person in society what are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis oh man dubai has great beach clubs mm. great restaurants the fitness scene now is booming. Their gyms are like next level gyms. They're getting really big into like lots of meal prep companies, right? So like we have pure prep on the island, which is my favorite macro counted meals. They have like eight to tw what 12 different companies over there that just do that specifically. So it's definitely on the rise. Um, good nightclub scene. You know, there's some nice beaches, boat trips, um, but yeah, it's a very flashy yeah, it seems like place. Everyone's very, you know, uh, and it's very young. It's a very young crowd in Dubai as well. Like you don't see elderly walking around the desert. And these places, like even Seoul and Dubai, they're definitely, um, if you're a digital nomad, more expensive cities to live in comparable to, let's say, Istanbul or Chiang Mai, which are some oh of the cheapest. Boy. Right. So I was just there and Dubai has set something up that's really cool, which is called the freelance visa. So if anybody's listening to this and is like wondering like, where could I settle down or, you know, at least get established for a bit, they offer a great package. I think I paid about $4,000. I hired an agency 
um, to help me get everything set up. So now I can, uh, you know, work remotely from there. Um, great for my American taxes and I'm, it's, it's all legal, right? So now I have my Emirates ID and my bank account. Now you can just come and go as you come and go. And if you didn't have that as an American, what were, what are the original like uh, restrictions? Nothing. Um, you get a, I believe a 30 day visa on arrival and then you'll have to leave and come back or, or do the visa. And this freelance visa, it's you're paying per year. Is it a five year? I paid $4,000 for three years. Oh, that's great. It's fabulous. And there's no, like, you have to be there for X amount of time. I can pop in, pop out. Um, I will say it's more expensive than any city I've ever been to. Yeah. I mean, even more so than Ibiza, more so than Europe. It is like chicken, rice, and veg might go for $30. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, if, if you are a digital nomad, it's probably not first on the list, but. No. Phuket's starting to open up. I think there is a digital nomad visa coming out. Have you heard? I heard, ab- I heard about it. Yeah, it's kind of just in the air a little, a little okay. bit. I'm not quite sure either. I think it'd be um, great to get more tourists in and, and people that want to be here and spend their money, you know? Yeah, that's the biggest issue with Thailand in general. And I have a lot of friends that left and they went to Mexico and places like Nicaragua, Nicaragua yeah. because if you stay in these places like Thailand and whatever, Phuket, for 10 years, you never get your residency. But these other countries you can. And that can be a deal breaker because, you know, if you're not married or to a Thai or in a relationship with a Thai and you come and build a life here and something happens, it could be all taken away from you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen, but just that security is you enough for people to make those decisions. Especially nowadays, you're noticing, you know, from the current situation, people starting to go abroad and live abroad and being able to, you know, work remotely. They've seen this work, so. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, let's fast forward to your Phuket days. And originally you were training at Tiger Muay Thai. No, I not, actually, I, I started at Unit. I started oh, at Unit 27. You started at Unit 27, but then you moved over to Tiger. I moved over to Tiger. And at Tiger, mm-hmm. you were doing the strength and conditioning primarily? No, I started the CrossFit affiliate. Okay. So we had a CrossFit program. Um, I mean, they built a huge facility, like a huge CrossFit area just for us. Um, I hosted a couple CrossFit competitions and, uh, the coolest thing about the Asia CrossFit competition circuit is that everyone's flying in from everywhere, right? So you have all these different nationalities and cultures and stuff coming. Um, and so, okay, this is the example in the States. When you have a comp, the gyms will show up and like this gym will be here. And then the next one, and they all pop up their coolers and their chairs with their, their specific gyms. But in Asia, right, everyone is just cheering each other on. And, you know, it's like a big reunion and a catch up because we're all kind of chasing that same competition circuit. Um, So, yeah, it was called the Island Battlegrounds. Maybe someday I'll bring that back to Phuket. Um, And uh, maybe even up here in Bangtan would be a great, great place to host a competition. Yeah, you're starting to see a lot of people coming up to the Bangtan Muay Thai and MMA. And they're all wearing their AKA shirts and Tiger (laughs) shirts. So. It's to, a melting pot, right? Well, it's I'm starting to wonder what's pot. going. I I have a feeling. I haven't asked the question. Hopefully, those gyms don't get mad at me because I've had I've had Mike Swick on before. Sorry, Mike. But it seems to me that if I'm if I was to guess, they're coming to Phuket. They're starting at those gyms. Then they're getting wind of what's up here. They're visiting it and they're not going back. That's my guess. I mean, there's a certain magic to the soy that I don't think you can ever replace. You know, I the community there, the community, absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. You might follow specific coaches. You know, I think, um, you know, 
facility speaking, right? Theirs is brand new and it's fresh and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that the community, the vibe and the feel on the soy, I mean, yes, it's, it's slower. It's different than it was pre COVID days, but even training there now, it's still, it's still a, a well, piece it, of magic. It's a, a real community, not just in terms of the gyms, but I mean, of all the other facilities, it's this one street with the massage parlors, if well, not in that way, but if you're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you need recovery, you got float indigo down there. Yeah. Uh, tons of healthy uh, restaurants. It's to eat at. so the physio easy to find good there. food. Yeah, great physios, yeah. Um, pharmacies that know all kinds of like you know things that you need for sports injuries and yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's definitely the community. But I see it coming up here, but it's going to take time. Yeah, slowly you'll start to see these restaurants. One will pop up. I heard Ollie's might be popping up. Here. Really? Someone yeah. is saying wow. they're coming up here. Um, I, once people move up here, I, I don't know if we have this like turf war. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, are people getting mad? Like, I no. don't know what's going on. I, I think it's, I think the, you know, to hit the nail on the head, it's the low, it's the distance to the beach. Right. That's the game changer. And yeah. the fact that like, when you're in these places like Rao Wai, well, you're not going to go to Rao Wai Beach, you go to Nyharn, but you always need to jump on a main road of some sort where there is traffic and it's not as pleasant, but over here it's, it's very back roads. Mm -hmm. So like you're at the gym and you kind of pop out and there's like two motorbikes you'll see ripping around and then you're at the beach in two seconds. And that, that's kind of the, one of my arguments, well, for myself personally, I'm like, I'd love to live at the soy and down there, the community's great. But then when you're on the soy, you're another, what, 15 minutes to Nyhern. And when you come to an Island like Phuket, it's, you know, you're here for the beach as well. It's a big part of it. Um, and that's kind of why I always had that, that, you know, mental battle. Damn, do I move down there? Do I stay up here? Cause I there's, mean, there's not much of a community up here. There never has been. It, and, and it could get that way. It could, but I, you're talking a couple. A while. Yeah. yeah. This is my first time in six years that I've not lived in Shillong. Mm -hmm. So I'm living in Rawai and I'm loving it. Loving it. Cause why did you make that decision? Cause I had heard everybody had moved to Rawai. And so I was like, you know what, let me give this a try. So, you know, I booked a hotel for a couple of weeks, my first couple weeks here. And then I was just like, I'm not going back. It's so, it's easy to get to Chelong. It's easy to get to Nyharn. There's so many more restaurants, you know? Um, so yeah, lots of different things, but I'm a gym hopper. You know, I love the communities and the energy at each gym. So I might go to Nyharn gym for some strength training. I'll go to unit for some, uh, some hit classes, you know, pop into tiger to see my old friend, you know? So I've never been stuck with one place. I think that each place you go to has its own feel. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you able to easily hop around compared to, I don't know if, if the average person went down there, like, do you have these memberships or the day passes? How does that work? Unit's great because it's per class. So you okay. just get a block of classes and then pay per class. Um, the thing with unit classes is as a strength and conditioning coach, I don't think that you need that style of class every single day. I see way too many people overtraining and doing these like high intense sessions. Um, but two to three days a week, hop in there for the community. I mean, it's full energy at unit. Um, and then I'll hop over to Nyharn gym, get in my bodybuilding, my strength sessions. Uh, and there you have to pay week to week, month to month. And then it's, and that's the beauty of Phuket. It's really not that expensive. It's really here. not. No, nope. you um, can have multiple memberships to different yeah. gyms and it's still not that expensive. Yeah. I did 10 days once at unit. That's when I think we first like met, we met at a party. We talked about a long time ago. Um, that was briefly. And then quickly we ran into each other. Uh, I was down at unit 27 for 10 days. 
Um, and what and, was your experience there? Yeah, it was it was amazing. They they definitely kick your ass in a different way compared to up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I per, I prefer it up here because I can train every day. But the thing at Unit Twenty Seven is there's so much equipment going on that like the next day you need you needed to rest. Like like even if I trained in the morning, it was quite difficult to train in the evening unless I was doing some sort. Oh, and of, the heat kicks your yeah. ass. You need a nap after these classes. <laughs> They, they really kick you out your ass and they're pushing you in another way as well. Like in terms of, yeah, here's a 40 kg ball, go run 300 meters. Oh yeah. I mean, that's part of the fun though. Like they, they, they punish you, you they know, punish if you, you don't get to your station on time or whatever, but it makes it fun, you yeah. know? And every time we're doing the punishments and stuff and everybody is like whinging and moaning and I'm like, guys, you just paid for this class to be here, you know? Sorry, those notes are the, uh, that's our cue for 30 minutes. He just keeps me in 30 minutes left? No, no, that's, we've been talking 30 minutes. Oh, like, I was like, wow, this went minutes. by so fast. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one thing, I've never explained this on the podcast. I will now anyways. When you're on a podcast, it's, it's, it's a, the conversation, it's real, but there's certain aspects that are not real that you have to do for the podcast. Meaning, when I'm talking, you see, you have to do the head nod. But if we're in the conversation without... Sorry, if we were in the conversation without the mics, we'd be like, ah, okay, interesting. And the reason you can't do that is because when you clip it later or you're listening to it later, you don't want to hear someone going, ah, mm, ah, mm, while the other one's talking. So um, it's the first time I brought that up. True. I was just, yeah, it's and, true. It, it, and I've had some people where they look at you like, why is he not saying anything? Because you start doing this and they're like, it, it can come off a bit awkward. But anyways, that's what it is. Um Let's jump forward. So you went from CrossFit to strength and conditioning, but specifically on the CrossFit side, how did this start to connect to the holistic wellness and online coaching? So I was a competitive athlete for about seven years and it just beat my body up. I mean, the training is so intense. And, um, and so I kind of stopped CrossFitting like at the beginning of the pandemic. And I started to focus more on like functional bodybuilding because I think that some of the methodologies from CrossFit are great, but then I also think that some machine work and just some like accessory stuff is really good. So by combining the two, I noticed that my body completely changed shape. You know, I was thick before I was a big girl before, you know, and I was strong. I mean, I had a 200 kilo deadlift at one point. Um, and I mean, I could really smash through some weights, but I also wanted to change my physique. So COVID happened. Uh, you know, we went 50% on our salaries, which is already nothing of nothing. And I had a really big choice to make. I was like, okay, do I just suck it up and, and, and stick it through in Phuket or do I jump ship? And, uh, and so I decided to go back to the States like halfway through COVID. And I will never forget that feeling of being at home and my stomach, you know, you get like a deep stomach ache and you're like, what am I doing with my life? You know, here I was a coach at a gym and what was I going to do and where was I going to live and where was going to make me happy? And so one day I randomly was like, you know, searching on Instagram and this guy's profile popped up of, he was a, he was a business coach of teaching trainers how to become an online fitness coach. And I thought about it for a little bit and I, I reached out to him and we had a phone call and. And it sounded great, but it was really expensive. And at that point I had no money. You know, I come from Thailand, not making any money and didn't have a lot of savings. And so I thought about it for a couple months. And finally one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what? The second you pay for something, 
you have to make it work, right? We talked about like buying the ticket and stuff. I was like, if I'm going to invest in this business coach, I need to figure out how to make it work. He had great testimonials. I mean, the people that were in his program were soaring through success stories. So I was living in Mexico at the time. I was living in Tulum, which is a really cool spot. A lot of digital nomads there too. And I, uh, yeah, I started his program. And within just, I had zero online clients. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I can teach you how to squat and deadlift and all these things, but how do I bring that knowledge online, right? It's a totally different ballgame. And, um, and so, yeah, I just followed through his protocols and his steps. And within a couple months, I was at like 60 clients and it has been soaring ever since. And, and so that's when I really shifted my focus from training someone at the gym, right? Like at this point, I really don't care. Like, of course I want my clients to get to the gym and make sure that they're following the program that I'm giving them. But it's really about the other 23 hours of their day that are going to get them long-term results. And that was when my whole, and call after call, you know, um, anybody that wants to, to join my program, we do a 30 minute, you know, free call so that I can get to know them and what their goals and what their issues are and stuff. And after talking to hundreds of people, I realized that everyone has something going on with their gut. Mm. Everything starts in the gut, right? And so from there, I was like, wow, this just, this is a commonality now. So I, I want to dig into this. Um, my mom is a homeopathic doctor. And so we were only raised with herbs and oils and homeopathy my whole life. And so because of that foundation that I had with her, I wanted to start using that practice in, in my coaching program. Um, and really what holistic means is getting to the root of the problem rather than putting a bandaid over the symptom, mm -hmm. right? The best analogy that I love is, um, you know, your, your gas light goes on in your car, right? You have two options. You can either take the gas light out or you can take it to the mechanic and see what's actually wrong with the car, right? And it's the same thing goes for your health. And a lot of, I see it way too many times, you know, you go to the doctor for an issue or whatever, and it's just these fast pills, right? Over-the-counter antibiotics, this, that, all of these things. And in, you know, they're not asking what their nutrition is like or how their sleep and their hormones and their stress levels are at. They're just like, here's a pill. And then that causes so many other issues. And so that is now my main focus is how can I help people long-term lose weight, get better gut health, have better sleep, more energy, and balance hormones. What do you find is you're saying because of the gut health now, is it the pharmaceuticals? Is it the diet? Is it a combination of both? Um, when you're listening to your clients, what are they most often saying that kind of, you know, triggers your alarms of what the hell are you doing? Um, I think, uh, mental health, number one, especially, you know, going through the pandemic and stuff, I think everybody's mental health has really just been shot. I think stress levels are higher than they ever have been before. Um, and, uh, and because of that, we're often retreating to feel good foods, right? To get that little quick hit of dopamine to help with that mental imbalance. And then um, from there, like, you know, processed foods, way too much sugar, not focusing on sleep. Um, so when people come to me, it's often for uh, PCOS, hyperthyroidism, really high blood sugar levels, um, you know, no energy. They look in the mirror and they just feel like crap, right? And so, when that kind of light bulb mom moment goes off, it's like, okay, hire a professional. It's really hard when you, when you don't know what to do. There's so much information online and it's really overwhelming to understand which direction to go in. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there. Are you offering them a diet plan and a structure to that? 
So I offer nutritional guidance. Okay. Okay. I think that meal plans fail almost 99% of the time, right? People are busy. They're chasing their kids around. They want to go out to dinner with their friends. So my approach is non-restrictive. It, uh, I give you like tips and I give you like these little hacks of, of ways that you can still drink the glass of wine, have the pizza with your friends, go out on the Friday night and still get results. Right. Because I think when we put restrictions on ourselves, mm -hmm. that's a short term answer for a long term solution. Like, how do we stop this whole yo yo dieting thing? Right. Because anybody that comes with me, I'm like, I, I don't want to see you gain that weight back. Once this weight comes off, it's off for good because we've changed your habits. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, have you read the book Atomic Habits? I, uh, I started it. I haven't okay. finished it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've done the audio book. It's the, kind of similar in that sense. It's kind of picking up on these subtle nuances to, you know, improve something as simple as, Hey, um, well, you saw my pantry downstairs. Well, that's, that's it. My trigger is I can't have any junk food in the house. I cannot have, uh, even a bottle. I'm okay with alcohol. I won't drink in the house really that, that much actually never, but I can't have, I can't even have cheese in the fridge and crackers, a block of cheese and a bag of crackers won't last the night. So what I just don't buy it. Or little things such as I need to go to the gym tomorrow. So I'm, I'm going to Bangtown Muay Thai and MMA every day, nine o'clock for their hit class. And the first thing I do in the morning is I fill my bottle of water. I put my shoes on the table and I put my, I put the stuff I need to go there first thing in the morning so that all morning when I'm doing my shit, I keep seeing it because if I don't do that, that gives me two hours to talk myself out of it. Yep. Um, and I find it works because like you've, the hardest part is actually filling your bottle of water or putting your shoes right there ready to go. Once you've done that, you're already there. Um, these are the, the little things that, that I try to take on. When you're talking to your clients in terms of uh, this guidance for health and, and more focused like on gut health, specifically, what kind of tips will you give them to you know, rearrange that diet so they're not eating those you know, processed sugars and whatnot? Yeah, cool. So the first thing I like my clients to do is start tracking. So they'll add me as a friend on my fitness pal so that I can really dig deep into what they're eating on a week to week basis, right? Because most people have no understanding of macros, right? What, what is a protein? What's a carb? Like everybody gets that so confused. Um, and so that's the first step is awareness to your plate, right? And tracking is not for forever. Have you ever tracked before? I have intensely for a year. So like I can look at a plate of food now. And you know, I I've measured, I've tracked. So it's I tedious, right? It's tedious. And what's funny is when you stop tracking, you cheat. <laughs> Right. Because it's like, it holds you accountable. Well, you like, for example, like I know I was, I can't have a hundred grams of uh, carbs, like even fruit, but then I like, I, you just saw me eat a bowl of grapes and sugar. That's way more than that. For sure. That is, I would eat what you have to learn is like literally four little pieces of cantaloupe is probably all you can eat. So you start to cheat in that sense, but yeah, going back to your point, the tracking Nobody realizes how much, like, for example, fat they're eating every day. Um, the littlest things I, I would say that you could adjust, and I'll let you talk about that, was I found cooking oils. Um, two tablespoons of cooking oil compared to half a tablespoon is a fucking game changer. You're talking like 40 grams of fat versus five. And people don't, they just start pouring the bottle right in there. So anyways, I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it brings a lot of, like I said, it brings a lot of awareness to their plate. So I, I say, look, this isn't going to be for forever, but it needs to just be for right now. Right. And macros would have been a great topic in math, right? Like do like a whole math lesson on how to track your food. 
right? But they don't teach us that kind of stuff in school. Yeah. Um, so that would be step number one. And then uh, step number two is I'm a huge, huge fan of fasting. Um, have you ever fast before? Always. Every, okay. Every day. So this is one thing that I do almost every single day. Now there's a couple different kinds of fasting. Okay. Uh, the typical intermittent fast would be like your 16 to eight, right? So starting your first meal at 12 o'clock and finishing dinner by 8 PM. Okay. Um, and then in that time eating window, you still need to be getting enough protein and enough of your macros and stuff. But what that does is it really helps our gut reset. And it's also really good for balancing blood sugar levels. So there's two main fasting types that I talk about. One is your ketone fast and one is an autophagy fast. So the autophagy fast, so autophagy is the process when your old dead cells, maybe precancerous cells recycle and fresh new ones come into place. And that kind of happens between, you know, the 16 to 17 hour and beyond. So when you're not having anything except water, black coffee and tea. That's basically all you can consume during mm -hmm. your fasting hours. Um, and autophagy fasting is great for anti-aging and long-term health. So I'll do that a couple days a week. And then the other days I might do a ketone fast. And in a ketone fast, you can drink your bulletproof coffee. You can put collagen powder in your coffee or, your, you know, whatever. Um, and that will still keep the ketones from being released. Mean add, adding fats. Adding fats. Yeah. Correct. Good fats, right? Yeah. Um, so, and I'll, and I'll do that a couple days a week. Um, so just by doing my intermittent fasting protocols, I have maintained, I mean, I've been traveling for the last year, right? No consistent diet, no consistent training plan, but I really have to, you know, grant the intermittent fasting kind of where I've been able to maintain and, and keep my levels high. What can you break with the, that first fast in the morning? Oh, this is such a good question. So the number one important meal of the day is not breakfast. You know who coined that phrase? John oh. Kellogg of Kellogg cereal. Okay. He said breakfast is the mo most important meal of the day. No, it's actually your breakfast meal. Okay. The most important meal, it has to be proteins and fats. Okay. So I always will break my, my fast with, you know, eggs and avocado, vegetables cooked in butter, some salsa, some chicken, whatever. But I never touch carbs on my first meal. And the reason for that is because your insulin levels are so responsive at that point. So we need the fiber and then we need the fats and proteins to lower our insulin levels. Like you can start your meal with a win, like eating proteins and fats, you're going to win your day. Okay. So meal number one, proteins and fats. Meal number two, proteins and carbs, right? Eat the carbs in the middle of your day. That way um, your body can use it for energy, right? It's not going to store it. It's going to use that, those carbs for energy. Um, and then I like to finish my last meal again with a higher fat, higher protein meal. So steak and vegetables, you know, chicken, fish, whatever it may be. Um, and always a bunch of vegetables. Are they well balanced in terms of calories every meal or is one heavier than the other? Kind of up to you. Like some clients will start off by drinking a protein shake for their first meal. And then they'll go into a second meal, you know, an hour or two later. I really like, I'm trying to get people away from snacking and focusing more on those bigger meals. Um, and so in that case, depending on where your calories should be at, you know, most women should be 15 to 1700. You know, I have some girls on like 2100 calories, but if you focus on fuller meals, um, then you should be able to get in your calories in that eight hours. Yeah. I was watching, I, I've been following your Instagram for at least well before you got it. It was more when you're on the, the conditioning strength. Yeah. You've seen my switch, right? I saw the switch. <laughs> now uh, you, 
you're an advocate behind when people like males come to you and say, I want to lose weight. I should eat less. But your response is no. I bet you can lose weight if you eat more. Can you talk on that? Men and women. It's great. Right. This where did this notion come from that we have to starve ourselves to lose weight? Our bodies don't care that we want to lose weight. Our bodies are trying to protect us. Right. So say you should be eating 2000 calories, but you're really eating 1200. Your body's not thinking like, oh, he's like, I'm trying to lose weight right now. Your body's saying like, I need to store everything that he's giving me because I don't know when he's going to feed me next. So, you know, I have people that have been on these 1200 calorie diets for months, not losing any weight. And I'm like, well, that's because your body has completely just downregulated itself. Right. Has it because gone into like almost a hibernation mode. It, hundred percent. Right? And protect I don't want to say like, um, you know, you have a, a slow metabolism, but you have a slow metabolism. And so we need to do a reverse diet. We need to slowly build you back up to maintenance level so that your body can just like take a deep breath and be like, Oh, I'm going to get food today. I can let some of this excess go. Right. Mm. It's a play with your head. Mm. And I know that, you know, um, a lot of people suffer from this, this, this idea that we have to eat less to lose weight, but I'm here to tell you, after hundreds of, of clients that have put this program, this reverse uh, reverse dieting protocol through, that it works. Yeah, I find, so I was, I fast, so pretty much between 8 till 11, 12. Yeah, great. Um, but then I'm, I'm working out fasted in the morning, but I've been fasting for like, five years that like i actually i'm not i could easily go to two i'm your body changes and i'm not hungry anymore and and maybe that is kind of brings us back to our roots of you know when we were cavemen i i, I doubt we were getting up in the morning and eating anyways because we had to go find the food yep. right we didn't just yep. have a fridge full of food i mean i was the girl that people would make fun of because i always packed snacks in my bag i was terrified to leave my house without having food on me at all times because of my blood sugar crashes, right? My hypoglycemia, whatever. I mean, and I would have full on attacks mm. because I did, I wasn't eating food. I was on, I mean, even though I played collegiate level sports, I was addicted to sugar, right? I thought that because I was playing sports, I could eat all the candy and ice cream that I wanted. And that's where my hypoglycemia came from. Mm. And now that I've started practicing with IF, I don't have a single crash. And then like the, the mental discipline that it takes, right? Now you can go hours beyond the 16 hours. Um, but if someone has never tried fasting before, I'm not going to tell them to go to a 16 hour fast tomorrow. Let's build that up. Right. Because you know that like those hunger pangs, right. They come and you get a little mm. anxious and stuff, drink a bunch of water, drink some more coffee. And then every day try to push that hour back just a little bit until you get to a sweet spot. Right. Yeah. I find, uh, Initially, I do remember when I started intermittent, intermittent fasting, it was difficult and yep. uh, living, us coming from the Western world, uh, living in Canada, I, if you remember, like, I don't know what it is living in Asia, but living in Canada, like I would always have hunger pains before bed. And I think that again is probably from spiking your insulin levels all day. Totally. And I, I never get that anymore. Um, now my diet, I would say the yeah, but the past five years is the first meal I'll do like uh, like now a quick protein shake after hit in the morning. Um, but I do throw some fruit in there. Is that wrong? Should I remove that fruit and just do the protein? I love berries, blueberries especially. Yeah, so I throw blueberry and banana in it. Okay, so bananas are great post-workout. 
right? Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna help your glycogen levels, and it's and it's great post workout. Typically, I don't recommend high levels of fruit because even though it is a healthy fruit and there's gonna be antioxidants and stuff, it will still spike your blood sugar levels. Yeah. Right. So I never tell someone I'm like just eat a banana by itself. Anytime that you're eating a fruit, you want to try to pair it with a protein or a fat. Right. So eat your apple with a tablespoon of almond butter or peanut butter. Eat it with a slice of cheese. You know, have a handful of nuts and your dragon fruit, you know, something like that, because um, we want to try to keep those blood sugar levels stabilized. Yeah. I get snacky on fruit in the day. I I snack on like cantaloupe and grapes and that's kind of fills fills that void. Or if I really don't want to, I'll just chug a giant glass of water and those hunger pains are gone. They they leave as fast as they come. You know, um, I do want to say one thing about fasting for women. Okay. So I put together, it's called my female, my hormonal 30 plan. And, um, because women shouldn't be fasting every single day. And the reason for that is because of our menstrual cycle. So day one of a woman's period, great time to start fasting. It's a great time to go more keto based. Estrogen levels are rising. You have more energy. Your strength training sessions are going to be better. Okay. So day one to day like 17 ish, right? We start ovulating day like 11 to 15. And then as soon as ovulation happens and then progesterone, so estrogen goes down, progesterone goes up. We need to be eating foods that support our hormones. So in that week, the week right before a woman's period, I want them eating more root vegetables. So all of your squashes, butternut, spaghetti, acorn, whatever, um, beets, carrots, turnips, that whole root family is going to really support your progesterone levels. Um, And it's completely normal for us to be craving chocolate. Um, And so I'm always telling my clients, I'm like, look, don't go buy the Hershey's. I want you to find one with really clean ingredients. Buy a dark chocolate, 75% or over. Look for good ingredients. Have some dark chocolate. It's fine. Mm. Right? So week before your cycle, no fasting. Your hormones are going to be going all up and down, have balanced meals throughout that week. And then again, day one, it starts it all over again. On that subject of when you're dealing with your clients and their diet on the menstrual cycle, do you also kind of tap into what pharmaceuticals they may be taking to, you know, that that could uh, influence those cycles as well? And do you start to hear anything about that, whether it's a thyroid drug or birth control and how that could affect, um, you know, that part of. I don't know how to reward that. Yeah. So, I mean, I take that into my inventory when we're doing our discovery call yeah. and stuff. It's a little out of the scope of my practice. Um, so I'd rather refer them to a doctor. Um, also because I'm not a doctor, right? Like I am trying to give them the best health hacks that I can possibly give them. Um, but getting into like the deep dives of thyroid health and, and the medications that they should be taking, what I would love to happen is you can heal your body with good food. Mm-hmm. right? So we really look into the ingredients. And so I want everybody to start reading the ingredients of the products that they're buying. Okay. So in the States, I've have an entire list of clean swap items, right? So for your brownies and your pizza and all of these things, eat them as long as it's clean, because it's not going to send an inflammatory response to your body. Right. So, um, I'm living with a couple, couple friends here in, in Thailand. They have the hidden Valley ranch, you know, hidden Valley ranch. Yep. In their fridge, number one ingredient is canola oil followed by water, sugar, MSG. I mean, the list is just disgusting, right? And this is what we're eating all the time. Or, I mean, you're not just having a tablespoon of it. You're dousing your food in this ranch. And uh, and so 
I know that you talked about it on other podcasts and stuff, but seed oils. Mm-hmm. If you could take away one thing, it would be your oils, your bad oils. So canola, vegetable oil, sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, trash them. Look on the backs of your labels. Even going into a Trader Joe's, I'm like, you know, go back to the States. I'm like, yeah, I get to buy from Trader Joe's again. And I get in there and half of their stuff, it's like sunflower oil, first ingredient. I won't touch it. Why is that um, these seed oils are, are uh, you know, not great for you compared to like your olive oils, your coconut oils? What's it's the way that they're processed. Mm. It's the way that they're refined. And what happens is it just causes that inflammatory response right away. But it's really cheap to manufacture and make. Right. So the only oils that I want my clients consuming is going to be your olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, grass fed butter, some ghee, you know, and most people will cook with these oils, but they sneak it into your chips and your hummus and, you know, even like your roasted chicken meat. I mean, it's crazy how many products it's actually inside of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's why I try to avoid as much processed food as possible. Um, have you explained to your clients and even your audience that's following you, like what is your diet typically through Monday to Friday? And everybody, I'm assuming you, you all have your cheat day once a week. Yeah, good question. I mean, look, I, I eat a really balanced meal, but I stick to what we talked about. So I stick to the fasting. I stick to proteins and fats on my first meal. And then I love telling people about the order in which you should eat your foods, right? So say you have a plate of, um, actually it was really funny. I'm sitting at a bar in Arizona. I'm with my my sister and some friends, and we're having brunch, and they serve us eggs, hash browns, and some sausage. And I look to the stranger sitting next to me. I said, just randomly, I go, do you want a quick nutrition tip? And the guy goes, sure. And I, I looked at him. I said, what would you eat first on this plate? And he said, well, I'd dip the home fries in the ketchup. And I go, this is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Great plate, right? I'm totally on board with, with someone eating some home fries. But again, we need to be eating the vegetable first because what happens, vegetable gets digested, stomach into your intestines. The fiber creates this like meshy layer over the intestines. So then you eat your proteins and your carbs and sorry, your proteins and your fats. Then as soon as you eat your carbs, the carbs are now protected from the fiber from getting straight into the bloodstream, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason. So eat the home fries first and like sugar levels go up and then they'll come down a couple hours later eat the same plate in the different order, and then your levels are gonna be like this. So, I mean, I don't really restrict myself of a lot of foods. I definitely follow like the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. 80% of the time I'm eating clean, and then 20% of the time I'm eating ice cream and cake and all the stuff that I love. A lot of this information, you said your mom is a home homeopathy doctor? Yep. Back in New Hampshire? Yep. Um, when you went back home or your, your trips back home in between different places, how much of the knowledge are you picking up for her when you revisit? So much. So she has been, um, uh, she, I mean, she's been such a role model in my life and I've learned so much from her and I'm, I'm grateful for everything that she's taught me because I feel like I'm following in her footsteps. Um, and so when I went home, my last trip after I left Thailand, it was the first time that I'd spent three or four months with her in my adult life. So they have this dairy cow. It's an A2A2 Jersey cow. She has actually reversed families that have been lactose intolerant just by giving them small doses of her A2A2 raw cow milk. So she has all these customers coming in, picking up their fresh milk and leaving. And every single one of them told me a story about how my mom has healed them with herbs and oils. 
So I was like, okay, what's the deal with these oils? And, uh, and then slowly, like I started like collecting them and, and started using them in, in my day-to-day -day practice. And so I actually, yeah, I, brought, I brought some to show you because this isn't a, a light bag. Like this is a heavy bag, but I would rather take my oils in my suitcase than an extra pair of high heels. And you can get those in because they're under a hundred mill milliliters. Let's do that. What's in your oil bag segment? What's in my oil bag? Okay. So the one that I use every single day is my lemon essential oil. Now, lemon is a great liver detoxer. Okay. But when you're squeezing and, a and we'll just let it, this is, we're not selling anything yeah, here. No, this yeah, is just, just so they understand. Talk, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. some um, people, you know, anyways, continue. Yeah. We're not, uh, yeah. So lemon oil, yeah. okay? If you squeeze a fresh lemon, it's going to change the acidity in your stomach and slowly take the enamel off your teeth. But are you, do, sorry, uh, I might've missed that part. You're doing that first thing in the morning or when do oh, you gosh, do that? Oh gosh, I drink this all day. All day. Okay. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll put, this is a liter bottle. I'll put four drops in my liter bottle. Okay. Um, and so you're getting, there's 67 lemons make up one bottle of lemon oil. I'm going to leave this for you so, so that you, you can try it. You're kind of changing, oh. That'd be, you're changing your, your pH level essentially. No, you're sense? keep, yeah, it's pH neutral. So okay. it's not changing the acidity in your stomach. So okay. this is great. So you, you can't overdose on this. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the other ones I just made a post on this today, actually. So oregano oil is made up of 80% monoterpenes. Now antibiotics, the main ingredient in antibiotics is monoterpenes. Mm -hmm. So, but antibiotics will kill your good gut bacteria for up to two years, right? So now you're chasing your gut health just from taking one round of antibiotics. So um, the post I did yesterday, you take six drops of oregano oil, a couple drops of something else, and a couple drops of something else. And I'll do this for seven days. And this is basically my like support my immune system without taking antibiotics protocol. Where can, are you always putting it into your water? Are you putting it no, into your No, good question. Food? So with these hot oils, if you put this on your lips, it's going to burn. So yeah. I will put this one into empty veggie caps. Okay. So you can buy them on Lazada, wherever yeah. else, and then I'll just slowly drop them in. So that was a good point though. Some oils can be taken internally and some can't. And this is, okay, this is the reason why my mom got on a two-year research project on trying to find out the best essential oil on the market. So she makes all of her own soaps and lotions. She has client orders come in all the time. She renders her own pig fat. She does it all. She went to the health food store, bought a bottle of organic lavender oil came back, made the soap, gave it to her client. Her client broke out in a rash. And she's like, you can't break out in, in allergic rashes from, from oils. So she had it sent off to a third-party testing lab and they had filled it with synthetic fillers and, uh, and, uh, and toxins, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you gotta look at the efficacy and the source of the oil company. Cause you can buy them on Amazon or Lazada or at the mall, but you don't know what they're actually putting in it. Okay, so please don't take a lemon oil internally unless it says on the bottle can be taken internally. That's a really yeah. Well, it's like any type of supplement. Like I, I know I've gone down the road with mushroom supplements, and uh, what we start to find out is a lot of these competitors that are able to sell for half the price, um, they're just using a lot of filters like maltodextrins. And now they're not bad for you. I don't, I don't know if maltodextrin is. It's not just a greatest. filler essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, where, what is the source? Where are you getting it from? And I, that I've asked that question, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I've asked myself, well, when I get a pill of vitamin C, what is that? It's, I get it. It's a hard capsule of vitamin C. Where does that come from? But, uh, you don't know. No, and, right? and that's why it's like, look, find, uh, find someone that's put the research already in. 
right? You don't have time to go researching your vitamin C and your probiotics. Yeah. Find someone that's, and this is the problem that when you go to the pharmacy, they're not really breaking it down for you, right? Everybody knows that we should be taking a fish oil and a probiotic and all of these other things. But where's it coming from? Where's it coming from and which brand should I buy? <clears throat> yeah, I the one brand I do trust, it's just hard to get in Thailand. It's called Life Extensions. Um, you got to import from the U.S. and yep. then- Same thing with these. You got to use iHerb. And okay. I heard so annoying to bring into Thailand because you can only max purchase like 3000 baht. But what, when I like to go on my supplement spree, I have no problem spending 20,000 baht, but just get it done, ship it here in the last six months. But then on iHerb, it's like you order 3000 and then it maxes out and you got to do another order. And now you got like 20 different DHL tracking. It's a nightmare. That's um, yeah. So where, where are you getting problem? Yeah. Are you so getting those? this uh, doTERRA is sold worldwide into most countries, but not to, you can get the oils in Thailand, actually. Okay. The toilet, uh, the, the oils will ship straight to Thailand, but not their supplements. So I'm taking their whole supplement line as well. Digestive enzymes, probiotics, my fish oils, everything. Um, because like I said, my mom's already done all the research for me. Yeah. Um, and I've seen them like, you never know if your vitamins are working. Right, like you take them, but then you actually don't feel a difference. I know that when I don't take my vitamins, I I don't feel as good. Um, they've really helped clear up my. I used to have really bad acne and constipation, and I was losing my hair and all of these other things. And then when I went back to the states and started getting on these supplements, everything changed. Mm. Um, and that's when I was like, "All right, mom, you got me. I'm a believer yeah. now." Um, okay, so turmeric and uh, cassia. Cassia is just a branch of uh, cinnamon, so cinnamon bark. So I'll actually put a drop of these in my coffee every morning staying fasted cassia is a good sweetener so instead of a stevia or something like that mm -hmm. and it's also good for uh, regulating blood sugar levels and then obviously we know turmeric is great for inflammation support so um but yeah i mean i will travel with these like you i don't mind spending money on supplements because i'm never sick i never have to go to the i'm traveling to all these countries in and out of airports and i'm never sick so i know that i'm supporting my immune system and it's working and are, how many how many oils do you have there? Are they all different ones or? They're all different. They're all for a different purpose. Are you taking all of them every single day? No, okay. no. Um, just my favorites, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. I'll put into my water every day. Mm -hmm. The oregano, I'm only gonna take if I'm feeling sick. Um, this one is called Clary Calm, and this is really good right before I get my period. And if I have like cramping, I'll just roll it ovary to ovary. Um, and then, yeah, lavender is great. Lavender is great for Russell's. It's a very grounding oil. So I'll put it on the bottoms of my feet mm -hmm. before I go to bed. But um, there's one called Motivate and it's uh, it's like an uplifting blend. So when I'm working and need to feel inspired, I'll just kind of like roll it like clavicle to clavicle, put a little bit on my wrist. And, and what's, then what's in it? This one is a blend of lots of citrus, right? So citrus are known to be uplifting oils because they're hanging from a tree, mm. right? So I'll, so I'll be like diffusing. Okay, this is crazy. Everybody makes fun of me for this too, but I travel with a portable diffuser that I can plug into my laptop. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting there, I'm diffusing oils because a Yankee candle, right? I used to love Yankee candle, Bath and Body Works, all those fragrancy things, right? You light a candle, within 20 minutes, the chemicals, of the fragrances are then being absorbed straight into your body, right? Your skin is your largest organ. And now your body has to detoxify all the chemicals that have just been in your candle. 
So instead, diffusing oils are a great way to get the benefits from it without overburdening your system. What, what do, so I didn't understand what you mean by diffuser. Diffusing. Okay, so it's like this uh, little thing that plugs into my computer. Well, you can plug it into anywhere, but you put the oils in water. Oh, okay. And then it diffuses Got it. up. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So it's um it's powerful. So I'll diffuse lavender at night before I go to bed, and then like a citrusy wild orange or something for when I'm working. Interesting. I I read one thing that. Um, taking too many oils could have issue, uh, could lead to complications with your lungs, maybe by ingestion. Because mean, meaning that, like, if you were taking twenty oils in a day, it's just so much oil going into your lungs. I was reading a study on that because initially, when we were gonna get, we were getting into the mushroom supplements. There are companies, uh, especially one in Australia called Life Cycle, and they do tinctures. And that was the one thing that I read about that. Uh, be careful with the oils because uh, if you take them too much, you know, it could be issues with your lungs. Now, however, is that the capsule industry fighting the oil industry? Who knows? Yeah, I have actually never heard that before, but I don't think that, I mean, I'm putting like four drops of water in my lemon and then like a couple drops here to diffuse. So yeah, maybe if you're internally taking them at a high level, there could be issues. But I think for when I'm, you know, doing bit by bit, it's it hasn't been a problem. What like base are are they using for let's say like a lemon oil? Like are they is it mixed with like uh, like That's a coconut a oil? Question. Like how does that come? To, how are they actually making the oil besides just the citrus? <laughs> I actually don't know like the science behind yeah. the extraction process. Um, I ooh, it's very advanced. It's very yeah. advanced. And so some of them like you know um, melaleuca is really it's a great for your skin. Mm-hmm. And I will um, combine that with some like fractionated coconut oil or something. So putting it in. But yeah, as far as the oils, I don't know the science behind it. Let's jump into what's in your supplement bag. Okay. Um, I've, I obviously, you know, Dave Asprey, everybody's, everybody does bullet, especially if you're talking about yep. bulletproof coffee. Um, I've always been confused on what supplements, vitamins to take with which others and at which times. Um, obviously we can't talk about all of them. Are there some like, you know, Tips, rules, you know, rule of thumb, like you should take your magnesium before bed type of thing. Um, some information you could share with us. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, my mom being the doctor and the researcher of the family, she did the research project on the doTERRA lifelong vitality pack and the supplements that they've been taking. Um, and so I have just been following the protocol from them. So it's three main bottles of your ADE and K, your fish oils and all of that. But then they have a pre and a probiotic and a digestive enzyme. And I really believe is in today's environment, I believe that the number one problem in Americans is we are nutrient deficient, right? And so where you're not getting the same quality of vegetable from the soil these days, right? We're not yeah. getting all the pre's and all the probiotics that we need um, in our diet. So you have to be supplementing it with, with, with something. So pre and probiotic for sure. And then a digestive enzyme, I'll take that 30 minutes before my meal to help get the digestion ready system going so that your food can become more bioavailable. Because even if you're eating healthy, you're eating clean, you're eating good meats and stuff, your body's not absorbing everything, Mm. right? So if we can take an enzyme to help break down and make that process easier, you're going to get more for your food, right? Think of how much money you spend on food. Like Mm. I spend a lot, right? Especially if you're buying grass fed and organic, it's quality food. But say your body's not absorbing maybe even 50% of it. I mean, taking a digestive enzyme is a simple way to get more out of, out of those, out of those, um, 
nutrients. Could you get the, the probiotic from food on its own instead of actually having to take a yeah, capsule? Yeah, for sure. Lots of probiotics and like fermented foods, yep. right? Like kimchi, kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, you know, kefir. Um, there is a great shop. If you're on the island and you're in uh, near Nyharn Lake, there's that little convenience store called Papaya Market and they sell mm-hmm. coconut milk kefir and cow milk kefir. They sell some kimchi. Um, and then macrobiotic world is like yeah. right next door. So those are the two that I go to, to find all my fermented foods. Um, and then we have to be eating prebiotics as well. Artichokes, Brussels sprouts, some nuts. Um, because if your body's not ready to absorb the pre, sorry, if your body's not ready to absorb the pro, you're just going to flush it out. Mm. So the prebiotic you're taking before your meals, do you mean? You should just be having tons of pre's in general. What's the difference between pre and pro? Well, the the pre gets your body ready to okay. absorb the pro, oh, which okay. is all really good for your immune system. Um, but a lot of times people go to the, the store and they're like, yeah, I'm taking a probiotic. It has billions of strains. But if you're just taking like, and that's why the one that I'm taking is a pre and a pro. It's a double encapsulated timed release so that it can hit both pathways. If you're just taking the pro, maybe start looking for a supplement that has both combined. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, load up on your veggies and stuff. That's how you can naturally get it. When you're looking for a probiotics uh, supplement supplier, um, the capsule that they're giving you, is, is that product synthetic? How do they build it? How do you create a, a supplement of a probiotic or is that just too, com- Ooh, is too scientific? Have, yeah, I have no <laughs> idea on that yeah. question. And I, I think, again, that comes down to who, who do you trust? So Correct. did that come from your mom's side? Okay, we're going to, because I, I was watching your probiotic uh, recent video on YouTube and, and, and really diving into that. And Phil was on the podcast and he was all about gut health as well. Shout out to uh, Phil. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Phil. I sent him a message. He didn't reply on WhatsApp. Actually, you know what? I sent him a message. I said, you should come on together. And so he that didn't. would have been great. Phil, you didn't reply. Could have been the best podcast Burpees, ever. Bur- 10 burpee penalty. <laughs> but um, you're, you're kind of just putting your trust in your, your mom on that side to yeah. say, okay, this product here i trust and just you know don't worry about the science let's let's go forward and i mean i have seen dozens if not i mean multiple testimonials for people that it's worked for right and so now this is the company that i trust to recommend for my clients right and as a doctor right she always says like we have to take an oath do no harm yeah right and so of course you should be doing the re like they should be doing the research for their patients and now i just get like the runoff of uh of good news you were chatting about how when we're taking our, our macro uh, our macros in, let's say uh, simple as simple simple as protein, um, and it's not as bioavailable, and this could also be due to uh, issues with tilling and and how we actually you know we're able to produce our vegetables such as let's say carrots, and you're not getting uh, maximum B12 supply, uh, and that's simply from over tilling from at least the past 100 years and whatnot. Um, when clients come to you with, with these problems, are you, are you giving just a little bit of direction on like, I think, Hey, you know, you should supplement with maybe vitamin C, a little bit of B12, maybe some magnesium. Is that the kind of information that you're going to be giving to the clients when they're giving you their story? Yeah. I mean, I think we have to start looking at the symptoms, Mm. right? And then it's my job to be like, okay, well, why is that happening? Why did she just break out with a rash? Why did they have eczema? Why is there anxiety through the roof? Like, let's start taking a look at that. And then I can give better recommendations per person. But I think in general, as a whole, these are all, these are the steps that everybody should be taking. Um, You know, we know that like cranberry, great for urinary tract infections. Now everybody's talking about like liver 
and organs. You know, the, the, the number one most nutrient dense food in the world is our organ meats. And so now they're coming out because everyone's like, Ugh, you know, uh, but now they're coming out with loads of like vitamins and capsules and stuff to be getting those nutrients into our system. So as soon as I get back to the States, I'm going to be adding that into my collection as well. Are you um, eating a lot of uh, like organs, liver meat, kidney? I, okay. So I was living in Turkey for a while and they had it on every, almost every menu. And so I would get it when I was living there here. You can find it from like the little cart, like riding down the street sometimes, you yeah. know, um, where do you, can you find it here? I I've seen uh pig or cow liver. I've seen it at the grocery store. Chicken hearts. I've found chicken yeah, hearts I here. They're but... just so crunchy. It's like the texture's weird. Okay. So my tip for that is to put them in the freezer and then blend them in your smoothie. Okay. You really don't taste it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've tried to eat organ meat, even like it's uh, gross. cow I liver, know, cow liver. It's, it's almost rubbery and like yeah. you can eat it, I guess with like, uh, I think again, it'd probably be better to make it like into a like a pate or something, or take it in supplement form. Yeah, it's very you know difficult. the the technology now that they're able to pull all those nutrients and and so yeah, I'm gonna add that one. But yeah, you you brought up magnesium, and I just wanted to show you guys. Um, this can be, I mean, I buy it on Amazon back in the states, but I know you can get in Dubai and some other countries and stuff. But Calm Magnesium has been a game changer, and so I will take this right before I go to bed, like you said. Um, but again, like this isn't, this isn't light, you know, and I don't mind carrying this in my suitcase with me just because like my supplements are my non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. I would rather take care of that side of things because I know that long-term I'm, it's preventative health, right? I don't want to be on the, at, at the doctors in, you know, in the middle of a country in a foreign country that I don't know what their systems are. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's your insurance policy there. <laughs> Bingo. Um, do you get vegetarians or vegans that approach you and then, uh, they're coming to you, you know, maybe with diet problems and then obviously they're looking to lose weight and get into some sort of routine. And do you push, Hey, I think maybe you should be, uh, not, you know, I don't know how I word that. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I'm not going to call it a names, but I think that some of my most unhealthy clients are my vegetarians and vegans. They just suffer from so many different issues. Can they get proper nutrition on those diets? Like, I don't, I don't believe so. Right. And I listen to a lot of people in this field and everyone, right. Everyone used to, they've tried it. A lot of people have tried a vegan or vegetarian diet. And, uh, because that was the way that everything was getting pushed, right. This is the healthy way, blah, blah, blah. And then they realized they started having all these health complications and that's when they came back over to meat. And now that's what everyone's saying to go with. But I don't think that you can get the right amount of aminos the right amount of nutri micronutrients into their systems without eating some kind of meat. Is there any way to supplement that without eating meat? I would say beef flavor pills. Mm. Yep. And, and some are open to it. Some aren't. And I'm like, at that point, I don't know that our values necessarily align, you know? And so it's hard for me to give them the right recommendations because they're probably low on protein, super high on carbs, blood sugar levels all over the place. You know, and now their adrenals yeah, are all messed up. And, I tried, yeah. I went to Copenhagen, I don't know, two, three years, oh, at least three years ago. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try vegan for five days. I lasted two. The problem I found right away is my energy levels crashed. Um, and I would get a lot of these like, like blood sugar uh, like, you know, spikes during it through, throughout the day of, I mean, the food I was eating there. And, and again, these places like Copenhagen and, and uh, Nyharn, you have the options. But it never really like 
you know, answered that hunger pain. Like, and I got to eat, I, I probably eat meat twice a day, like a chicken breast here, a steak there and even fish and, and whatnot. But I've never understood, like, if you're not doing this, even a carnivore diet or just a healthy, well-balanced diet without this type of protein, I mean, um, how can you stay healthy? I, I, I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't either. I, after Game Changers came out, right, years ago, I was like, all right, I was like, I'm going to do this. So yeah. I think I tried to be a vegetarian for about three weeks. And I don't know if this was just a coincidence or what, but I got the worst injury of my life at my three-week mark. And after that, I said, this is for me. And uh, I went back to eating meat and I've basically been injury free ever since. Weird coincidence or not, I was like, you know, I felt the same. Low mm. energy, just, and if someone wants to take a couple days and go veggie, fine, do it. But make sure that you're getting in enough protein with, you know, your tempeh or whatever your eggs, if you're eating eggs. Um, and then the other days you're also getting enough protein because that's the number one thing I see is in your typical American diet, people aren't hitting their protein goals, not even... The number one question I get asked by my clients is they're like, coach, I'm not even coming close to the macro goal that you just prescribed me. How do I get 150 grams a day? Yeah, it's, it's, let's be honest. It's very it's difficult. I've tried, um, with, uh, I use my macros. It was another app I was using and calculating my uh, macros per day in terms of protein. And it's for every, what is it? Every pound you weigh, you should have one gram of protein. Correct. Yeah. So I'm like 200 pounds. I'm like, Try to eat 200 pounds of protein. It's impossible. It's not easy. So I try to just find that balance. Like, okay, I'll eat as long as I'm eating it every me meal. But to actually hit those protein goals, it's it's uh, it's another job. You it's know? it's very yeah. difficult. Um, the other thing that I love, especially for healing gut health, is bone broth. Yep. Getting in, I mean, a, cu a cup a day. So when I'm in a good routine, I will break my fast with a cup of bone broth. So you're getting tons of collagen, you're getting all of those nutrients from the bone marrow, right? So if a vegetarian's open to having a chicken or beef bone broth, that's another way to supplement and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, bone broth would definitely be the way to go. Would you make it yourself? Um, when I'm like living someplace that I can get some bones, absolutely. And if not, I travel with packets. So I mm. travel with uh, organic beef bone packets that, uh, that I'll take around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should be easy enough here on the island to, you know, find some bones of some sort or at least, uh, you know, get them in supplement form. Are you able to do that with any type of animal, chicken, you know, pig? You cow? could. I mean, my sister asked me if she could do it with fish bones and I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never done research on fish bone broth. Seems like you would need a lot. You bone. would need a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like probably pork pig is probably the easiest bone to get your hand on here. Or chicken. Yeah. Is, is, is there, I mean. I wonder if you go to macros, if they have it frozen already. I know in the States you can buy the bones frozen. Well, at these Tesco's you can get like, you know, the, the pork knuckle and all that. Perfect. That might be enough, right? Perfect. Yep. So um, really easy to do. So if you're getting them frozen, I would roast the vegetable or roast the bones for about 40 minutes, take them out, cover them with water. And then I would add um, carrots, onion, celery. Mm. I would sprinkle in some Celtic or sea salt. I would also put a tablespoon or two of apple cider vinegar inside and then let that simmer for, you know, 12, 16 hours. Just like in, in a pot, boiling it in a pot. In a pot or in a uh, Instapot or a slow cooker. Oh, you said, so you're cooking it first. You're you're, you're roasting the bones like to in, bring more of the nutrients out in the oven. Got it. Yep. Okay. And then transfer that to a pot. And then once you have that broth from the vegetable and, and uh, let's say whatever. Strain it's it pork, out. 
that you throw in the garbage, like throw the fiber, the all yeah. that, and then yeah. you just you keep. Now, can you freeze that? Do you lose the potency when you're freezing this stuff? Or Not does that it I know stay? of. Yeah, it definitely will go bad after four or five days or so. So if I'm making like, I'll make a double batch. And so, yeah, I will for sure freeze them in just small little jars so I can take them out kind of one at a time. And how much would be enough? Like 300 milliliters or? A cup, I mean, a cup or two. A, a cup. Yeah, like a, a mug full. Yeah, that's that's really something I was thinking to add to my diet. I've heard, I've read a lot about it, especially it. from things like pork, which is super high in collagen. Yep. And that's why a lot of, uh, well, they say like the Chinese, especially these Asians, why their skin looks so great. They eat- It's the collagen. They eat yeah. so much pork belly. Yep. So much pork belly yep. and they, their their skin looks immaculate. Um, yeah, so. I mean, one supplement that everybody should have on their shelves is a good form of collagen. Collagen mm. will give you an extra <clears throat> 12 to 18 grams of protein. You can put it in your smoothie, your soup, your coffee. I mean, it's so um, diversified. And, um, and it's, uh, great for hair, skin, nails, gut health. I mean, so there's all different kinds of protein, right? You have like your whey, your casein, your plant-based, whatever. So I'm right now taking a collagen protein powder and a veggie protein powder. Would you stay away from, let's say, uh, I think, what do I have down? Gold whey? standard? Whey. Yeah. So for all of my years competing in CrossFit, I was taking the optimum nutrition whey protein. That's what they sell it on the shakes on the soy. I'm like, oh, this is what everybody's taking. And when I started digging into more nutrition, more reading the ingredients, if you actually look at the ingredients, it's gross. It's, mm. it's, it's all chemicals. It's all additives. It's all preservatives. And then I was like, oh, that's why my stomach hurts all the time. I felt bloated. I felt heavy after I drink a shake. And I'm like, look, the shake was just, you know, my protein and my water. Why am I feeling like this? And that's when I switched over to a plant-based one. And uh, and I do feel a lot better taking a plant-based and do you, one. And do you get that on the island or where would you get uh, No, I'm getting it. Sunflower Warrior um, from a bunch of different countries. But um, I think Optimum Nutrition does sell a plant-based one in Thailand. That's the one I've been seeing. But Lazada sells the sunflower one. Okay. So you can find it on Lazada. And what about coconut protein powder? I've not heard about that my, one. My girlfriend takes that. Takes that, and we. How many had grams it. of protein? Uh, it says twenty-four, but th that's the the one argument, or I don't really understand as well. It's when you go when when it's not like a meat-based protein, even though it's twenty-four, is twenty-four bioavailable? Correct. I don't believe it and is. And how many grams of protein can you eat in one sitting? I think it's, that's the other thing. 20, it's like 24 max. Right? Well, I've heard, yeah, I've heard a little bit higher, but yeah, somewhere between 20 and 40 grams. That's why you can't just come back and take eight sh scoops, scoops of protein. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. And, and that's the argument for vegetarians as well. They're like, yeah, but I get protein from my, uh, I get protein from my broccoli and there's six grams, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're not absorbing all of that six as well. And, and, uh, that's something that they, I guess they don't teach you in school. Um, now you're back on the island. You, you recently came back, you, you came back, you left and you came back again. Do you want to talk a little bit about that story and what was going on? I mean, now that I'm like working remotely and have the opportunity to travel and, and see the world. And I just did, uh, like four months throughout Europe and Turkey. And the coolest thing is that everywhere I went, I met up with someone that I've met in Thailand. I mean, for people that have never been here, the friends that you meet here, you just have this incredible connection with. And so, I mean, I was going all over and just like, you know, meeting up, coffee, whatever. Um, and so I guess my plan is going to be basing myself between Thailand, Dubai, the States and elsewhere. Um, but, you know, 
part of me, like I come back to the island and I'm like, oh, this isn't real life. Like I should be going back to America and settling down and buying a house and doing all these things. And my parents are like, yes, you need to buy a house. And, and then I, I come here and like, nobody has stress here, right? There's not that level of anxiety that you get anywhere else in the world. So I think having this like little trio of countries that I can work from, um, you know, my goal is really to help as many people as I possibly can. Um, and so I love, I love what I do. Absolutely love what I do. When I get my, uh, my, you know, transformation pictures from my clients and stuff, you know, I get this level of excitement that is just, it's so much energy, you know? And so when someone signs up with my program, they get weekly accountability calls. And so I'll block my day out and I'll just do back to back 15 minute calls with my clients, making sure that they're following the plan, holding them accountable to what they're going to do that next week. And, and I, and like, I get off the calls and I feel like I've just had 10 cups of coffee, you know, because of the energy that we're providing and sending through. And I'm a big energy person as well anyways, mm -hmm. but I'm able to take that on the road. And, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to keep traveling and, and then come back, uh, in December. So you're going to be leaving Phuket shortly or? Yep. I think I'm going to head to Bali for the month of August. Um, I need to be back in the States for uh, September for uh, a family reunion and a wedding. And then I'll come back to Asia. Well, I think well, you've been traveling around since 2008. About, I, I did my study abroad in Australia 2008. You and know. <laughs> I, I find once you break that barrier of you know how to enter a new country you kind of have an idea of, you know, I can find a home, um, you know, get that home base feel, dial into the grocery store, dial into your neighborhood. Once you've done that in multiple countries, you can do that anywhere. And I think you, that's probably why there's not a lot of stress on this side of the world. As long, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to simplify it, as long as you're eating well, you got a community, uh, you, you know, you're comfortable in that area you're living in. But at the end of the day, if you have a roof over your head, why would you be stressed? And especially in these places around here where, you know, it's cheap as chips if you want to get something, you know, simple and there's always something available, um, which would be much different if you're back in the U.S. or, you know, you're, you're going to have to sign a two year lease or a one year lease and you're going to have to do a down payment. And now you're kind of locked into that. And here everything is um, very flexible in that sense. And like you can come here and like you don't have to, uh, you know. You go to the States and I would have to furnish a full house. I'd have to get a car, get on all the insurance, do I mean, it's so overwhelming to think about moving back to America. But when I come here, I can get a fully furnished house, cheap as chips, like you said. And um, I mean, I can get my blood work done here. I can get all my health stuff kind of covered when I'm in Asia, um, eat like a queen, train at all of these different gyms and stuff. Um, I mean, traveling is definitely hard and routine. I, I love my routine and I love having structure. But on the other side of it is you get to see new places, try new foods, do mm -hmm. new things. So there's always that balance. And okay, so before we just hit one and a half, perfect. So before we wrap it up, yeah, I guess the the only other thing that I noticed that that uh, now I have a fear to travel, and it's for anybody living in Thailand. Um, once you leave Thailand, you lose the the bum gun. How do you survive? <laughs> That's like my biggest fear. I'm like, I don't know. I can ever leave here again. Yeah, no, I definitely miss it when I, uh, when I leave. That's so funny. Um, I mean, wet wipes. I started yeah. <laughs> wet wipes have been great. But you yeah. start to realize the rest of the world's disgusting. Yeah. Like uh, anyway, so 
I think I'm stuck here for life. Someone out there, make a portable bump gun and figure out how that's oh, going to work. Oh, man, that'd be crazy. I don't know. Well, you just, maybe you hook it up to the sink in some public washroom. Or we just <laughs> need to give you some wet wipes. That yeah, works too. Yeah. Um, so uh, the final thing before we wrap it up, we're going to shoot the camera over to Joy and she's just going to let you a little bit, let you know where you can find her and what's going on if you want any more information of what she's doing in Phuket. But then again, she is traveling so you can hit her up anytime, anywhere. So take it away. That's your camera there. All right, guys. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at CoachJoyous05, J-O-Y-O-U-S. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Joy Summers, S-O-M-E-R-S. If you are looking to lose weight, get on top of your hormones and your health, um, hit me up. I would love to uh, set you in the right direction and get you on a plan that will be sustainable for life. I'm all about being able to eat your favorite foods and get results. So I love and welcome any questions. Um, hit me up and talk to you soon. Perfect. Okay, that ends another episode of Fruiting Body Podcast. Next week's guest, I don't know yet. Do we know? Uh, we're a bit tired today. We'll figure it out. I, would, I definitely wasn't spot on. This damn hit class is kicking my ass in the mornings. Um, okay, thanks a lot, Joy, for joining us today. I always sound like a radio host at the end. Sawadee cap. Sawadee cap. Cap and cap. And we're out. <laughs>